You're listening to audio from Shandon Baptist Church. If you'd like to check out more resources from us, please visit our website at shandon.org. Well, there's little doubt that we all feel the lingering drag of a historically difficult and challenging year. But here's what we want you to know. As we start 2021 at Shandon, we believe God wastes nothing. God will waste nothing, not even a year like 2020. We believe he leverages everything good and bad to bring about his purposes and to magnify his name. And so in that spirit, we want to kick off a message series today entitled, I Need a Change. And if that's your cry, if that's your heart, perhaps that's why you're in church today or perhaps why you're watching us online, you're in the right place. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be in the book of Colossians chapter 3. So today, I serve as the introduction to this series. The next couple of weeks, if I'm the appetizer, then the main course is coming. And our senior pastor, George Wright, is chomping at the bit to share out of this passage of Scripture. So I have the privilege of opening up this series today, and then we'll pick it up in the next couple of weeks. So with that As our introduction, let me invite you to take your Bible and stand with me. We'll read together Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses. It's our practice at Shandon to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, and we'll read together Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul writes, If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in God glory. Well, let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for the breath of fresh air that we have received in recent days as we acknowledge and celebrate a new year. But Father, there are many in the room and many watching online who might say, I am ready for a change. And so we offer a collective prayer to you Father, may you bring about a change in us that will be deeply driven by the truth of your word and the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. That is our prayer on this day and each day that follows. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, it would seem strange if we would kick off a message series on change and not actually define the word change. And so if you were to look up the word change in the dictionary, you might find a definition like this. Change as a verb is to make the form, nature, content, or future course of something different from what it is or from what it would be if left alone. And so with that definition in mind, let's 
give our first point here as Paul points out in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 because Paul's foundational idea is this, genuine change, genuine change is not possible apart from the gospel. Genuine change is not possible apart from the gospel. Paul clearly says here in verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ. Now the two words, if then, taken together, literally mean since. So it could be translated since you have been raised with Christ. And what that means is this is an established, not a potential reality in the hearts of the Colossians. But it gets better. The verb is also in the passive voice. Since you have been raised, indicating that the Colossian believers, as well as those of us today who have received Christ, are granted this resurrection status before God through no effort of our own. Now, this echoes the truth and beauty of Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is, in fact, the gift of God. But here in Colossians chapter 3, there's a lingering question. What does it mean to be raised with Christ? What does that mean, actually? Well, if you're not a follower of Christ, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then this is going to sound really strange. But it's very clear in Scripture, and that's this. Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead people alive. Jesus did not come to make bad men good. He came to make dead people alive. Why do we know that? Why is that a truth that we embrace? Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul makes it very clear. Even when we were dead in our sin or in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Now, please hear this respectfully and in its spiritual context, but dead people do not change. Dead people don't have the capacity or the ability to change. Only living people can change. And so genuine change is not possible apart from the gospel, apart from God making us alive together with Christ. So let's go back to our definition of change. Let's read this. To change is to make the form, nature, content, or future course of something different from what it is or from what it would be, catch this, if left alone. And that's important. That's important. Because Paul is saying that spiritually dead people, if left alone without Christ, will in fact perish in their sin. So let's be clear this morning. There's a lot of things in your life that you can change. You can change your hair color. You can change your address. You can change your major. You can change your waistline. You can change your social agenda. You can even change churches. But the one thing that you cannot do on your own is change your eternal destiny apart from the gospel, apart from faith in Christ. Genuine change is not possible apart from the gospel. Paul makes it very clear. But he continues in verse 1, and it's powerful. If then you have been raised with Christ, and listen to this, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. 
and he is seated at the right hand of God. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, and where Christ is is he is seated at the right hand of God. So here Paul makes what amounts to a second point. Once you've been raised with Christ, genuine change, genuine change is formed through gospel perspective. It's formed through gospel perspective or a gospel mindset. You say, Scott, what do you mean by that? Well, as you know and perhaps detest, January is that time of year when we traditionally make New Year's resolutions. I don't know how many of you made resolutions this year, but I'm told that it is different than it has been in years prior. One study revealed that in 2021, 70% of Americans are ditching those traditional New Year's resolutions. Those that are focused on maybe going to the gym or losing weight or exercising more. It seems like this year, our resolutions are more focused on life skills such as saving money for the future or perhaps experiencing new things, travel being one of those, spending time with the family, also having a more positive outlook on life. Now, I don't want to throw cold water on anybody's resolutions but we need to ask the question. What happens if we resolve to travel more, but there's another pandemic? What happens if you resolve to save more money and you lose your job? You see, resolutions are a way for us to gain a sense of control over an uncontrollable future. And if there was ever an uncontrollable year, 2020 was it. Certainly uncontrollable. So what do we do? How do we respond to an uncontrollable future? Because we learned last year that we really don't have control. What do we do? Well, Psalm 118 verse 24 gives us a great insight. It says this, and you've heard this verse before. You've probably quoted this verse before. The psalmist says this, this is the day that the Lord has made. Now that sounds very simplistic. It might even sound a little pie in the sky to you, maybe like we're whistling in the dark, but let me clarify the power of that statement and that declaration from the heart of the psalmist. Because you see, with all of our scientific sophistication, with all of our progress, we cannot manufacture or create one second of time. We can't do it. It's not within our power. The fact of the matter is every day that dawns, including this day, is in fact a gift from God. Every minute is on loan to you from God. But the question that lingers is why and for what purpose? Why did God give you this day and every day that follows? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, Paul gives us a great clue. He says this, and he, Jesus, died for all. Well, why did he do that? That those who live, those who have been resurrected or raised with Christ might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The reason you have been given this day your last breath, your next breath, and everyone that follows is so that you will no longer live for yourself, but for him who died and was raised 
for you. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, you've been raised with him so that you can live for and with him. But there's a problem. There's an issue. Because for many believers, many believers, we get stuck at the comma in the middle of verse 1 in Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, and that becomes the end of the story. We receive Christ by faith, we participate in that resurrection, and then nothing else happens, and we never progress to the second part of verse 1, where Paul says, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We never make it past the comma. And this is true in a lot of areas in our lives, isn't it? Have you ever had a gym membership and never went to the gym? Anybody? I see some elbows flying there in the pews. I mean, you had the credentials, right? I mean, you were a member of the gym, but you didn't have the vision or the desire for healthy change in your life. I mean, go to the gym this month, and you'll see a lot a lot of good intentions walking around, right? In fact, it's crowded with good intentions. You can't get on a machine, you can't join a class, but go back in March and it's a ghost town. It's the way it works, right? We're quick starts. How many of you have a library card, but you've never been to the library to check out a book and actually read it? How many of you have ever bought a Bible and now it sits in a corner collecting dust and you never read it? How many of you have registered for school and then skipped class? No hands are being raised right now that I can tell. Wow. Go home this afternoon and walk through your garage, your basement, or your storage area, and you will find there a graveyard of good intentions. I mean, come on. When's the last time you pulled out that thigh master that you bought from Suzanne Summers in the mid-1990s? Now, if you don't know what a thigh master is, go home this afternoon. Don't do it now. Go home this afternoon and look it up, and you'll have a good chuckle. Look, there are a lot of things that we start. Well, guess what? The same is true for us spiritually. We do the same thing. We embrace the gospel, we discover the gospel, and by faith we're raised with Christ, and that's as far as we make it. We never get any further. And then the tragedy is this, we spend the rest of our lives wondering why, wondering why we don't feel any different. Nothing ever changes. Our prayers don't make an impact. We don't experience the power of the gospel and the presence of Christ in our lives. And sadly, when that begins to happen, we begin to take offense at every difficult circumstance and every painful encounter in our lives. And what happens next is we begin to blame God. God, how could you let this happen? Why are you letting this happen? Did you know that the most searched word on Google in 2020 was the word why? Why? Why is there a pandemic? Why is there racial tension in our country? Why 
are we so politically divided as a nation? Why am I so depressed? Why? It's the question that everybody's asking. Now, there's nothing wrong, inherently wrong, with asking the question, why? Read the Psalms. God can take it. There are a lot of whys in the book of Psalms. God can handle your why questions. But here's the problem. Without a gospel perspective, as Paul talks about in Colossians 3, our questions will take on the form of a courtroom drama where we stand in judgment of God, put him on the witness stand, and make him the object of our cross-examination, and then we dare get frustrated when we hear nothing from God. That's what happens when you get stuck at the comma. When you say, I'm a believer, but you never seek the things that are above, and that, in fact, is the solution. Why? Because Paul makes it very clear that is where Christ is. If you want to live in the presence of Christ and what he can do in your life and the change that he can bring about in your life, then you have to seek the things that are above. And this word seek literally is full of meaning. It's loaded. It means to fully explore and search out a matter until there is complete understanding. Look, if you think that you prayed or received Christ by faith and then leave the gospel behind, think again. It's not true. Paul makes it clear here. The gospel isn't just the diving board. It's the pool. It's not just the 101 class. It's the entire curriculum. It's not the entry into the Christian life. It is the Christian life. What we need is gospel perspective because that is where Christ is. Don't get stuck at the comma. Here's why. Without a gospel mindset, without seeking the things that are above where Christ is, we will begin to languish under the burden of our own self-interest. Now, I want to ask you a question. Did you get tired of complaining about 2020 last year? Well, the people around you got tired of listening to you complain about 2020 last year. Because without a vertical perspective, without seeking the things that are above, we will slip into a state of self-interest. And it's devastating to our Christian lives. The reason some things never change is because we never change. We never seek the things that are above, trusting the gospel message and what it can show us. Each year at Christmas, our family, my wife and I and our son, our 13-year-old son, exchange Christmas letters. Now, these are not cards. They're actual letters that we write to one another. So on Christmas morning a few days ago, our 13-year-old son, Jackson, presented his letter to Meredith and I as his Christmas letter. I have a picture of the letter. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to read the whole thing. can barely read those tiny letters anyway, but that's the way he writes. But there is an excerpt from the letter that I want to read because I think it's relevant for this point. Our son Jackson said this to mom and dad, during quarantine, we were able to spend much more time together than we were ever able to before. We read several books of the Bible together and I was able to watch tons of TV shows and movies with you. They were all documentaries, I might add. 
I know more now about Tajikistan and the Democratic Republic of the Congo than I ever thought I would learn in a lifetime. But here's the payoff. At the end of the day, 2020 wasn't the greatest year overall, he wrote. However, it was the little moments we shared during this year that made it a great year. Now, do you think that I would trade that letter for everything that happened to our family personally in the year 2020? Absolutely not. No way. Because you see, without this letter, without this relationship, 2020, well, it was probably a terrible year, right? But with this letter and with this perspective, 2020, that was a great year. That's the difference that gospel perspective can bring. That's why Paul says, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Join him there. And what you see and what you experience will begin to bring about change in your life. So Paul continues in verses two and three. Gosh, we've only made it through one verse. How about that? Pretty packed, huh? Don't get nervous. Paul continues in verse two and three, and he says this. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on things that are on earth. Why? For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So here's our third and final point. Genuine change is sustained by gospel identity. Genuine change is sustained by gospel identity. Now, in verse 1, Paul tells us that change begins at the moment of conversion, when we are raised with Christ. He says, seek the things that are above. Seeking is about having vision. It's about the ability to visualize what God can do in your life. It's about seeing and being with Christ above all. But here in verse 2, he adds setting. Setting is about capacity. It's about execution. It's about our spiritual constitution. And the word is often used in other places to describe the diaphragm or the midriff of a person's body. In other words, it is the core of who we are. It's to exercise your spiritual core, if you will. Now, in some ways, this is Paul saying we have to gut this out to use the core of who we are. But let me tell you what this doesn't mean. This is not about being morally perfect and doing so in such a way that we look and sound miserable all the time. I mean, you've met those people, right? Probably in church. They are morally perfect, but they are miserable, it seems like, all the time. It's like Zig Ziglar said several years ago, he said he's met a lot of Christians who act like their second birth was just as painful to them as their first birth was to their mother. Now, you've met Christians like that, right? They're miserable. They're unhappy. Paul is not talking about being miserable and unhappy, but finding joy, joy in our gospel identity. So it's more than just doing good. It's about being good. And we're going to unpack this next week. So you want to come back next week as we pick up in verse 5 of Colossians chapter 3. 
But the question for today is, how do we develop this constitution, this core for change in our life? Well, verse 3 tells us, and it's emphatic, and it's beautiful, and you don't want to miss it. Paul says this, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, there is a deep logic to this poetic phrase, your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's both cosmic in scope, but it's also very personal in its application. So let me unpack this for us very quickly. The cosmic message is this. It's very clear that according to Jewish teaching, the plan of salvation was to be kept secret, a mystery until the promised Messiah foretold by the prophets appeared. And of course, in Jesus, as we just celebrated at Christmas, that promise has been fulfilled, but not just for the Jews, for everyone. This is why John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. That's everybody. That's you and that's me. That's the cosmic message here in verse 3. So then what does it mean for you personally? What is the personal message behind this phrase, hidden with Christ? Well, you don't want to miss this. Paul is saying that there is a real danger for those who have been raised with Christ, for those who claim to be Christians, for those who say they're followers of Christ, that they're church members. There's a real danger for those who have been raised with Christ, but they refuse to set their mind on things that are above They don't seek the things that are above. They don't live vertically. They choose rather to live horizontally in this world and in this life. And here's why. The horizontal self looks to other people for a sense of identity rather than something transcendent, something above us, something that can call us to that which is greater. And we find that in the person of Christ. That is where Christ is is. And so if we live horizontally, our sense of self and status is only going to be found within the society and culture in which we live. Because if God plays no authoritative role in your life, you can only look to others to define who you are. Think about it. Without Christ, without Jesus, we can only look to our peers and to our culture to gain our identity. Now, you should know this. Our culture, our peers can only relay back the messages that we communicate to them. Did you know that? Here's why that's true. I'm not cool because I say that I'm cool. I'm only cool when you tell me that I am cool. Make sense? I only get that identity when it is relayed back to me from you. So you want to know why social media is such a powerful and popular and destructive, potentially destructive tool? It's because we invite others to tell us who we are. We're asking everybody in the world to tell us who we are. Are and they only relay back the messages that we send to them when we post something about us. So, where's your identity? 
You see, without a vertical gospel perspective, without a life that is essentially where Christ is, without seeking the things that are above, everyone and everything horizontally becomes a mirror. It's a vast audience from which we constantly seek approval and identity. And that is devastating to your walk with Christ. So how do you experience sustained change in your life? How does that happen? Well, I think you'll like this. You see the word hidden in verse 3 that Paul uses here in Colossians? Is the word crypto. Crypto. And yes, it is where we get the word kryptonite. The one thing that could take down Superman. Now, if you remember Superman, you know that kryptonite was the one thing that he couldn't fight against. He didn't have the power to overcome kryptonite. So with all due respect to Superman this morning, being hidden in Christ, finding your identity vertically in the presence of Christ is the one thing, the one thing that will render this horizontal world powerless over you. It's the one thing that will render this world, this horizontal world, powerless over you. That's why it's crucial, Paul says, to know that your life is hidden in Christ. He is your identity. But you only find him there. You will only gain that identity if you seek and set your mind on those things that are above. Genuine change in your life, genuine change is sustained through gospel identity. Finding your life hidden with Christ in God. There you will find your identity. There you will find your purpose. I want to close with this. One of my spiritual heroes in life is German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Many of you have probably heard of Bonhoeffer. He was born in 1906, and in the 1930s, Bonhoeffer became increasingly disheartened and frustrated over the way German churches had embraced and even endorsed the Nazi regime. They were called Reich churches. Well, to lead believers back to the gospel, Bonhoeffer led a resistance movement called the Confessing Church. He even started a small seminary, and he invited people to live in biblical community so they could resist the oppressive and destructive presence of the Nazis in Germany. Well, in May of 1939, at the age of 33, Bonhoeffer received notice to report for military duty. Well, not wishing to take up arms in support of the very ideology that he opposed, not wishing to live horizontally in his culture or context, Bonhoeffer accepted a long-standing invitation to teach at Union Theological Seminary in New York. So this was his parachute out of Nazi Germany just prior to World War II beginning. So two weeks later, Bonhoeffer boarded a ship for the U.S., but immediately upon arriving in New York, Bonhoeffer says that he was deeply, deeply out of sorts, convicted, as he described later, by a vision 
of Germany without the gospel. And that conviction turned into outright misery. And so 26 days later, after arriving in New York, Bonhoeffer put aside his personal safety and he set his mind on the things that were above and he boarded a ship and returned to Germany to serve and suffer alongside fellow believers in their attempt to preserve and protect the work of the gospel in Nazi Germany. And for three years, Bonhoeffer preached and ministered in a clandestine fashion, even becoming a nonviolent conspirator in a plot to assassinate and remove Adolf Hitler. Well, in April of 1943, the plot was uncovered and Bonhoeffer was arrested. And for two years, he was moved from prison camp to prison camp, but he continued to teach and minister to his fellow prisoners, even administering the Lord's Supper elements to his Nazi captors. Well, on April 4th, 1945, upon hearing personally of the details of the assassination plot and the conspirators involved, Adolf Hitler issued a direct personal order for Bonhoeffer's execution. And so at dawn, on April the 9th, 39 years old, Bonhoeffer was hanged. Two weeks before American troops liberated the prison camp where he was interned, three weeks before Hitler committed suicide. Years earlier, Bonhoeffer had written a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And in that book, he wrote these words, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Now, for a man like Bonhoeffer, that was no abstract theological metaphor It was an invitation that defined his life and it defines his legacy today. All of us want change. But if you want real change, it's going to take more than just turning your calendar from December to January and saying, Happy New Year. It's going to take more of you. And Christ, Christ, who is your hope, is the only person who can bring about genuine change in your life. We all want to rise above what we experienced in 2020. Well, Christ provides that answer. He provides that hope, which is why Paul says in verse 1, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Find your hope and your identity in Him. And when you find your identity in Christ, this horizontal world loses its power over you, and there in Christ's presence, you will find your purpose. You need change in Christ alone. Let's pray together this morning.
Father, there are many in this room and many watching online who have been completely sidelined in the last year. The events and circumstances of 2020 have brought us to our knees, and we have questions. Questions that begin with the word, why? But Father, as we declared early in this service, we believe you waste nothing, not even the events and circumstances that we encountered in 2020. So, Father, we are ready to move forward, but to move forward with a new perspective. Lord, I know that there are some who are seated in the room or perhaps watching online who have never experienced what it means to be raised with Christ. And so their efforts to change continue to fall flat, produce no results in their lives. And they're lifting up their heads and asking why. Well, Father, I pray for those people that they would find their hope, their purpose, their meaning in your son Jesus. That they will recognize that they are dead in their trespasses. But Father, you are willing to raise them with Christ. May that be the beginning of genuine change for those listening this morning. Father, for the church, for those who have been raised with Christ, Lord, I pray that we would not get stuck at the comma. Lord, I pray that we would seek those things which are above, which is where your son Jesus is, and there in his presence and in his power we would experience a change that we cannot comprehend, cannot fully understand, but embrace as a gift of grace. So, Father, thank you for calling us to something higher, to something greater. And may that be our prayer and our heart's desire in 2021. Lord, we don't want to just change the calendar. We want to change who we are. And to do so in the light of your glorious Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask this in his name. Amen.